Well, good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests today. Um, I'm excited about today. I'm actually going to um, be preaching a word that I preached some time ago, um, but I've been really stirred to bring it back to the church. It's something that I actually believe is a great key um, in this season that we're all going through. So um, I want to ask the question, really, have you ever wondered why you step out by faith, you pray your prayer, you do what you believe God's called you to do, and it's as if all hell breaks loose. It's as if absolute chaos reigns. It's as if, um, it's as if the enemy has the upper hand. And you think, but I don't understand this. Um, I don't get this. I, I know I'm in the middle of God's will. I know I'm praying what God wants me to pray. I know I'm doing what God's called me to do. And yet it's as if there's absolute chaos going on um, all around me. Well, it says over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, it says this, but recall the former days in which after you were enlightened, in which after you were enlightened, you endured a great trial with sufferings. It's like, how does that make sense? What's that all about? After you were enlightened, you'd think, okay, well, now I'm enlightened. Everything's going to be great. But actually, here it says, after you were enlightened, can I put it in my vernacular? All hell broke loose. It all went very, very wrong. You know what? There is an enemy of your soul. Um, speaks of him all through the Bible called the devil. And, and it can be either the person of the devil, the spirit, or, or it can be circumstances and everything else going on around your life. All of a sudden, something goes wrong. All of, all of a sudden, something comes against you. Why? Because the very fact you, you know, that you were illuminated, the enemy wants to remove that which you've now gained. Yes, yeah, so you come to understand something and the enemy's going to come in and say, I'm going to knock that out of your life. I can remember, you know, 30 years ago now, probably 34 years ago now, when I, it, it just hit me like a ton of bricks in a, you know, a good way. It just hit me so powerfully. My days of sickness and disease are over. By his stripes, I was healed. And then for the next 11 months or 10 months, I think it was, I had 11 abscesses explode in my body. The first one was right there on my mouth. The first one hit me right there on the lip, which meant it was hard for me to speak. The first thing after I was saying, I believe I've received my healing, not that I was sick. It was just like, I've got this thing. Jesus Christ died for my wholeness. And all of a sudden there's this abscess on my mouth. And so then that, I won't, go be, I won't be graphic online, but that went, <laughs> excuse me. And then, you know, over, over a year, 10 more abscesses and I had blood tests and I had all sorts of stuff, couldn't find anything wrong with me. It's as if the moment I'd got hold of God's will for my life, the enemy wanted to try to steal it away. The Bible says the enemy only comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come, John chapter 10 verse 10, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. Now, of course, we don't expect defeat. Of course, we don't expect these things, but what we must understand is that there are going to be battles. There are going to be fights. You know what the Bible says? We fight the good fight of faith. We're not expecting to go from one disaster to another disaster. That's not what I'm saying. I believe we go from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. But we've got to understand there will be resistance every step of the way. There will be resistance from the enemy. There'll be resistance from, from perhaps other people around us. You know, perhaps we say something and, you know, the world's going that way, the church is going that way, the kingdom's going that way. And we speak from that direction, which looks opposite to the world. It, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, the Bible 
Bible says that our words are very different from the words that the world speak. And, you know, perhaps there's resistance coming from around us. Perhaps there's, a risk, you know, some, some upset or some resistance from very close quarters. Well, I want to encourage you today, friend, to stay on the right path. And also to encourage you that Almighty God himself experienced things like this. Obviously, you know, I could go through the Gospels. The Lord Jesus Christ preached that incredible message and they took him up on a hill in order to throw him off. But they, you know, he turned around and walked straight through. Why? Because it wasn't his time. So there's authority there and there's victory there, absolutely. But there was pressure against him to stop saying what he was saying and to give up what he was standing for. Over in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, we find a very, pass uh, a very um, powerful passage of Scripture. And we're just going to um, grab some scriptures out of that and then we're going to take some points out of that. And I want to encourage us today, church, to take the higher ground. To take the higher ground, not come down from our place of authority. So here in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, it says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and there was darkness on the face of of the deep. The Bible talks a lot about darkness. The Bible says there's a kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. You were once darkness, the Bible says, now you are light in the Lord. The Bible says we are to walk in the light, not walk in the darkness. The Bible says a lot about darkness being outside of God's will, not God's plan, not God's best, not God's purpose. But even here, Almighty God was facing a situation where there was darkness everywhere. I'm not going to go into what I believe about Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and 1 verse 2 and creation and how the darkness got there. We don't need to do that today, but the understanding here is that there was darkness and there was a flood of it. There was darkness, there was chaos, one version says, there was void, there was darkness everywhere. And that may be the situation that we feel we're facing right now. You know, sometimes darkness can feel overwhelming. There was a time on the 10 plagues, there was a plague of darkness. One of the plagues of Egypt, when the children of Israel were coming out of the promised land. One of the plagues was the plague of darkness. And it says the darkness could be felt. The darkness could be felt. It was so powerful, it was tangible. I think I've been in situations, I can remember couples, you know, specifically where it wasn't dark physically, the sun was shining or the lights were on, but I was in a dark place. Not internally, I felt myself, well, I've got to get out of this place. This is a dark place. I don't want to be here. I could feel the effects of oppression. I could feel the effects of, of the occult, actually, and things that were going on. And it's not that I was frightened, not in any way, or thinking I can't handle this, but you know what? Light and darkness don't have anything in common. And so here's the darkness and I want us to go through what God did. What God did in order to dispel the darkness. The first thing God did, we find out in verse 2. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the flood, over the darkness, over the chaos. The Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness. It says in Isaiah, it says, Arise and shine for your light has come. Even though there's deep darkness on the people, lift up your eyes. 
Lift up your eyes above the darkness. You know what? Everybody can be talking about the darkness. It's not hard to be talking about the darkness. But here, the first thing that happens is that Almighty God was hovering, the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness. I believe one of the greatest keys in life, I'm going to say this again, one of the greatest keys in life is to develop the ability to detach yourself from the intensity and the emotion of a situation and to do what the Bible says, to mount up with wings as an eagle in order to live above the darkness instead of living in the emotion of the darkness. One of the greatest keys in life is to learn to detach, to hover above. This is what the Holy Spirit did. He took the high ground. He didn't come down into the darkness. We know, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, he came down to be one of us, to be our saviour, to be our Lord, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. He came in order to provide for people and to receive people and to, and to repair people. We know he did that. But, but here in this situation, the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness. In actual fact, when the Lord Jesus Christ was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Bible says the Spirit of God hovered over Mary. This is a very, very powerful thing and it's something that we need to learn from. I believe God wants us as the church at this time not to detach ourselves to be out of the picture, but to hover above, to take the higher ground, to not be down in the same mess that everybody else is in, to not be down saying the same things, doing the same things, reacting in the same way. God wants us to hover above just like he did. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. I know we all love Star Wars and uh, I say that as we all love. You know what, Star Wars, fantastic group of films and uh, you know I can think back to when I first began to watch Star Wars when I was a teenager and there's this great you know example there where there's this, there's this fight and there's, there's Anakin and there's Obi-Wan and there's Obi-Wan going, it's over Anakin. And Anakin's going, no, I'm going to win, you know. And he said, uh, what is, uh, Anakin says, don't underestimate my power. And, you know, he's down on this thing. And, you know, but Obi-Wan's up on the high ground. He's up on the high ground, which many had the advantage you have this expression, take the higher ground. We're told in Deuteronomy chapter 28, as you obey the voice of God, you, it'll be the high ground that you'll live in. You'll take the higher ground. You'll live above situations, not underneath situations. You know, there's an expression, you know, in our terminologies, um, um, how are you doing? Oh, I'm a bit under the weather today. You know what? We don't have to be under anything. God's called us to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And I want to encourage you at this time, take the higher ground. In your spirit person, in your attitude, hover over the situation, detach yourself out from the emotion and the effect of what is going on. Take the higher ground. The second thing that I believe God did here, or the Bible says that God did, in, is in verse 2. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. First words are critical. You have this expression, first responders. 
people who are first responders into a situation, absolutely critical. What happens first, you know, determines everything. What happens first will determine whether this works or doesn't work, whether we win or whether we lose. The first thing that God said, the Spirit of God was already hovering, but the first thing God said was, let there be light. It's a principle. I've preached this for 30 years. It's a principle in God's word. Don't discuss the, gar- the darkness, but shine the light. I'm so glad we have that great example and we all know this, I'm sure, that when God was there and there was darkness and there was chaos and there was confusion, he didn't go, wow, it's so dark out there. Look how dark it is. Wow, look how strong the darkness is. Look how powerful the darkness is. You know what? He didn't comment on the darkness. He knew it was there, which is why he said, let there be light. But he didn't give his mouth to it. And I want to encourage us at this point Be somebody of few words. It says in the book of James, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It's really important at this time that we're not just speak, 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 but you know what we got to do? We got to to hear, and then the words we speak perhaps are only going to be short. All he said was light. Light, that's all he said. He said light. (laughs) Light. Light be released. And that solved everything. And I believe that God wants the church to be the mouthpiece for healing in our generation. God wants the church to be the mouthpiece for peace in our generation. God wants the church to be the mouthpiece for restoration in our generation. So let's be hearing and let's be speaking light and not just discussing the darkness. We've got to be speaking boldly from our heart, understanding that the devil has no ability to overcome the light. The Bible says, and the light was the life of men. And (laughs) fantastic verses. The darkness could not overcome the light. How did the light shine? Because God spoke the light. How how was the light um, exploded into creation? It was because God spoke words of light. The third thing that we're going to understand today is that God saw. God saw. God saw. It says in verse 4, God saw the light that it was good. We need to be people who see the positive to see the light shining. Again, Isaiah chapter 60. Wow. There's darkness everywhere. No one's denying it. But lift up your eyes and see the glory of God. I believe God's doing something so powerful in our generation. I see the big picture. I see that this is a moment of salvation. This is a moment for the church to arise and shine. This is a season for the church to say our God is a good God. That in our God there's forgiveness. In in our God there's, there's, there's healing. In our God there's the ability for God to restore situations, restore families, revive situations, move into a society and bring healing where there's been generations of pain. I believe that with all of my heart. And it's so important right now, church, I want to encourage you to see the glory of God. It's very easy to fill our eyes with the darkness right now. It's very easy to fill our eyes with all the reports going on. And I want to encourage you, you know, just with all the compassion in my heart, to turn the world off right now. To turn off the, 
all the voices, all the shouting, all the noise, all the confusion, and to see the glory of God. It doesn't mean to say that we're putting our head in the sand. That's not what I'm talking about. But you know what? God says, think on things that are pure and lovely and peace-loving, things that are of a good report. He said, set your mind on things above and not on things down here. These are verses we're very well you know, familiar with. We, we've been preaching on these for years and it's absolutely vital that at times like this we set our minds on things above and not on things down here. That we speak words of life. It says he saw the light that it was good. You have to see the positive in everything. Not just the positive sake. Not just to be a positive person. But you know what? When you speak healing, you've got to see the healing even before you see it naturally. When you speak faith, you've got to see the mountain move. When you speak healing, you've got to see the restoration. You've got to see it on the inside. If you can see it on the inside, you will see it with your physical eyes. I believe we are at times where, you know, the church is going to see things we've not seen before. You know, Christ says, he says, you're going to do greater works. Greater works. You read the Gospels, you read the most amazing things that Jesus did. Raising the dead, feeding the 5,000, you know, and then in addition, the women and children. You know, he sent Peter fishing, and they said, at the first fish you catch, take the coin out of its mouth, go pay your taxes. You know what the most amazing things you see in the Gospels? You see incredible things. He stood on the bow of the boat and said, peace be still, and the storm stopped. Wonderful, wonderful displays of God's power and God's glory. If he'd stood on the bow of the boat and said, wow, that's a bad storm, the boat would have sunk. But he didn't. He just said, peace be still. And yet the same Jesus Christ said this, after I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And those who believe in me, greater works are they going to do. I believe those are incredible works that are going to be seen by the church. I believe they're going to be works that are international, that they are going to cover this world with the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. But we've got to see it. We've got to see the opportunity. We've got to see the fact that the glory of God is already shining. God is not concerned. God is not upset. God is not surprised with what's going on right now. He's certainly easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities, of course, absolutely. But God sees the big picture and he says, come on, I want you to lift your eyes up above the darkness. I want you to see the glory of God that is already shining. See that the gospel is forcefully advancing. See that the power of God is being released in this generation. We are going to see things that we have never seen before. I want you to to encourage you to stir your faith, to say, God, I'm going to stand, I'm going to hover, I'm going to speak, and I'm going to see the glory of God and the goodness of God in the land of the living in my generation. I believe we are heading and we are in the greatest revival this world has ever seen. People from every tribe, every nation, the Bible says, are going to come to Christ and be swept into the kingdom of God. I want to urge the body of Christ now to arise and shine and to be all that God has called us to be. To lift up your heads and to have a confidence on the inside that says, as he is, so are we in this world. And to display God's love and God's power in the most amazing, 
amazing ways to see captives set free, prison doors opened, the healing of the brokenhearted, the recovery of sight for the blind. And our God is the God of the jubilee year when debts are cancelled and, and people are set free in the most amazing, amazing ways. Friend, you've got to see it on the inside. Hover above it, speak into it and see it in the name of Jesus Christ. The next thing that God does is, it says God divided the light from the darkness. Very simply, church, we've got to be different. We've got to be different. The world does it one way, the kingdom of God a completely different way. Darkness and light, as I've said. God divided the darkness and the light. Very, very different reactions. Very, very different way of life. The Bible says we walk in the light, not in the darkness. God divided the dark and the light. And it's very important that we have an understanding, not a, you know, some nasty, pious them and us. That's not what I'm talking about. But you know what? We have the qualities of the kingdom on the inside of us. We don't walk in the flesh. We walk in the spirit. We walk in forgiveness. We walk in faith. We walk in joy. We walk in compassion. Why? Because the kingdom of light is on the inside of us. As we close today, the last thing that God does, does here from Genesis chapter 1. Actually, after all of this, verses 26 to 28, it says, let us make man in our image according to our uh, likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. We've got to be a people of blessing. We bless, we bless, we bless. We've got to be a people of blessing. God is a God of blessing. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. As we close today, we've got to understand that God sets things in order. And he put mankind in his image, with his character, over all of his creation. Friend, I want to encourage you today. If you said yes to Jesus Christ, you've been created in the image and the likeness of God to have dominion over your circumstances. It will be very easy to say, you know what, is there anything I can do? How can I make a difference? Well, I believe that we can make an incredible difference. Why? Because we have dominion. Because we have authority. Coming from a place of love and compassion, but we have dominion and we have authority. It's time for the body of Christ to rise up and say, enough's enough. We put our authority out there. And to use a scriptural expression, we put our foot on the neck of the devil. That which he has meant for evil, we're going to turn around for good in Jesus' name. The Bible says when the enemy is exposed, he has to repay sevenfold. You know what, church? Let's arise and shine with all the glory and with all the love and all the faith that God has put on the inside of us and let us operate in the dominion and the authority that God has given us. We are his people. As we stretch out our hand, God will break through. As we, as we love people and care for people, God heals them. As we speak, God moves the mountains.
Let's work with God in this season. Let's work along with the Holy Spirit, keeping in step with him, step by step of the way. Let's be all that God has called us to be as the church of Jesus Christ in the middle of a generation that needs answers and needs a savior right now. I want to ask you, friend, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, as your Lord, as your friend? The Bible is really, really clear. It says you must be born again. That's, that's in the Bible, John chapter 3. You must be born again. You've got to give your life to Christ. He gave his life for you. 2,000 years ago, he came, he died on the cross to pay the price for sin. That's a Bible word, which means all the stuff we've got wrong, wrong attitudes, wrong words, wrong, just wrong. Just living outside of God, living away from God. But God still loves us. He so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son and said, if you believe in him, if you give your life to him, not if you try to be a good person, not if you try to be religious, not if you go to church, but if you give your life to Jesus Christ, if you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you will receive eternal life. Everybody's going to live forever somewhere, either with God or apart from God for eternity. God's heart and God's plan, my friend, is for you to live with God in heaven for eternity but you must receive him as your Lord and your Savior. I'm going to pray a prayer now, line by line. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord, or perhaps you have in the past and you're saying, you know what, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really living the Christian life right now. I don't really have a relationship with the Father. Then I'm going to encourage you to pray this prayer again and to give your life back to God. The Bible talks about the prodigal son, someone who has been a son, they go away, they come back again. And I want to call people back to God this morning. I want to call you back to God. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer, friend. Why don't you pray this prayer now out loud with me, wherever you are. Perhaps you're in your lounge or your bedroom or the car or something, I don't know. But why don't you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you demonstrated your love through sending your son to die on a cross to give me life. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. I turn away from the way I've lived apart from you and by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. Thank you for your eternal life. Amen. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, you've given your life to God and that's the first step of living a Christian life. But you're now a Christian. You, God's Word says you've now been born again. You have a brand new start in life. Of course, there's going to be other steps. We're going to encourage you to read your Bible and to fellowship with a church. Obviously, there's Citygate Church here. Thousands of great churches across, across the nation. I'm sure you'll find one somewhere where you fit and, and you know, can be your family. But we'd love to invite you, you know, to connect with Citygate Church. And there will be some next steps. But I want to encourage everybody today to take the higher ground, to rise up above the circumstances in the Spirit of God, to hover as an eagle, to speak the Word of God, to see the glory of God, to divide out the way the world lives from how we live in our reactions and our thoughts and to live in the authority that God has given each of us. God bless you, my friend. Have a great week. Do everything you can to help make somebody else's life great. I'll see you next week.